Good morning, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Who here by a show of hands has ever been to like a cave before? Think of inner space caverns. Who's been there? Something like that. I, for the very first time a couple weeks ago, went to one. Uh, actually, it was inner space. It was quite wonderful. I had heard about it a lot, and for the longest time I thought that it was going to just be a cave. But as you go in there, you get to see all these great sights that you think are man-made, but they're not. They're real. Anyway, so I get up there, and there was a guide, thankfully. I was very appreciative of the guide for, for a number of reasons. Uh, for those of you who have seen me in action, you realize that I may not be the most graceful person around. I'm not the most smooth. So I was thankful for a guide to lead me in the right path so I wouldn't trip Uh, I wouldn't go down the wrong path. I wouldn't get hurt and lost. I wouldn't be here today if that was the case. And I was also thankful for the guide to show me all the really cool features and and truths about the cave, all the neat things that you can do, like how you can hit certain rocks and they play musical notes. It's really interesting. Anyways, so my, my question for you is, now that I've been there, Who wants to go there with me? And I'm going to give you an option. You can let me guide you guys, or you can have the experienced guide. I feel like I'm pretty qualified, right? The answer is kind of obvious. You all will choose the experienced guide, won't you? I mean, I would. I would choose him over me any day. And I'm going to ask you another question similar to that one because we all understand why we would choose the experience guide to go through a cave, right? If you are facing the question, how do you believe? How do I believe? Are you going to choose the guide of your own logic and wisdom or are you going to choose the guide of God's truth? We all like to say the right answer, don't we? Oh yeah, we'll go to God's truth. But far too often, I'm included too, we turn to our own logic and wisdom to try and explain how we believe and to try and convince others how to believe, right? And that's the question that we're looking at today. When the skeptic, the person questioning you, whether it's someone that you know or maybe the biggest skeptic that we all face, the person that lives inside of us, asks you, how do I believe? And we're going to look at Jesus and his model that he gave his disciples on the second to last day of his life here on earth. We're in John chapter 16, and we see here Jesus teaching his disciples in word and action how to answer the question, how do I believe? And to really understand what what this model is, you've got to understand Jesus is Maundy Thursday. It's the night before he dies. That's where we are when we're, we're going to read. And it's in the book of John, so John doesn't really tell you what happened like the other three Gospels does because they already were written and John wrote much later. So he's just telling you the teachings of Jesus and why Jesus came. He came to save the world from everyone. And that John, Jesus was telling his disciples on this night that he was going to die. He was going to go away. And that one of his disciples, one of the 12 people that they knew really well, was going to betray him. That the other one, who was kind of the leader, was going to deny him. And all these things he was going to tell them. And he told them this to comfort them so that they wouldn't feel like they were tricked or duped. 
They wouldn't lose hope in the message that he taught. He was telling them all this to show the truth to them so that when all this went down, when he would die and be put into the grave, they would still have faith in him because he's already told them his truth about what was going to happen. And as Jesus does this, we see him telling them this, what's going to happen. But he doesn't go too far, and we're going to read that, and I'll explain it as we get there. So let's turn to page 8 and follow along as we read John 16, 12 to 15, where Jesus models and tells us how to answer the question, how do I believe? I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me, because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from Me what He will make known to you. Jesus could have dumped just an absolute truckload of information on his disciples, couldn't he? And you see that right away in verse 12. I could tell you a lot. There's a lot that I want to tell you, but I'm only giving you what you need at this moment. I'm going to give you the basic truth, the simple truth right now, what you need. And then he tells you, don't worry. You're going to become more well-informed and you're going to know all the things that I wanted to tell you, but right now this is what you need to know. You see that as he says it in verse 13. When he says, but the spirit of truth will come and he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He will speak what is yet to come. So they know the basic truth, a little bit of what's going to happen now, and then they just have to sit back and wait and see what the spirit of truth will lead them into. And so the real question here next is, what is this truth that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is going to guide them into and show them all? It's actually, Jesus explains this to his disciples in just the next chapter. So John 17, if you read through John 16 and 17, you'll find this in there. And he says, he's, he's praying out loud, and he says to, out loud to his disciples and to, the, and to God, Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. So he's saying, set us apart by your truth. Make us holy by your truth, and the truth is your word. The truth is God's word. And he was modeling for his disciples in the coming days what to do. It's to go to the truth of God's word. And that's what he wants to let you know that your one job is. It's to share the truth about God's word. Yet, a lot of times when we get into those situations when... Someone asks, how do I believe? Why do you believe? How can I myself believe? We start trying to reason outside of Scripture, right? We think we have to have these eloquent ways of talking and to convince them with our logic. And why does that happen? It's because the devil sees us trying to reason outside of Scripture, trying to not use the truth but our own logic especially, and he gets us to believe, to fall into the trap, to think that the power of God's Word isn't actually all that powerful. He gets us to doubt 
the power of the gospel and how it actually does change lives. And so when that happens, we're starting to spin our tires in argumentation with the person. We're starting to debate religion and why they think why God exists and all these other things when really what they need is the simple truth. The simple truth of God's Word that we are sinners, we lost our connection with God, and God came and took care of it for us in Jesus. And we forget that and we we spin our tires in arguing And when you spin your tires in mud, where does the mud all go? On everyone else, right? And so when you're arguing and you're creating logic and you're trying to debate with them to get them to believe, to convince them on your own, you're just creating barriers and rifts and mud in the air, spinning the mud onto them and making it a lot harder to actually explain to them. And it seems hard, and and maybe you're wondering, well, it's it's been so hard to, to do that. I don't know if that will work. Well, here's an example. So a pastor told me once uh, about someone who came to him and he was wanting the pastor to fix his marriage and, and it was a rough time and he said, well, I don't need God or religion right now. And the pastor said to him, well, I, you can go to a psychologist and they'll work with you on your marriage, right? And the guy said, well, I, I don't need religion because I'm not that bad of a person. And the pastor said to him, if you're like me, you're a terrible sinner. And you just have to look at the situation you're in to realize how bad you are. And to say, if you were facing God tonight, how would you explain yourself? And the man was just all upset and he said, well, whatever. And he went and stormed off, right? And the pastor the next day didn't hear from him. He didn't hear from him for a while. But the pastor wasn't terribly concerned that he said the wrong things or that his logic didn't work because he did his one job. He shared the truth. And he, he understood what Jesus was doing here and the power of the truth, just like Jesus wants us to understand the power of the truth. Martin Luther puts it this way and explains it really well. All we need to do is explain the truth. We don't need to defend God's word for him. Because God's word is like a caged lion. All you need to do is open the cage and let the lion defend himself. I don't know anyone here that could defend a lion better than a lion itself. So all we need to do is open the cage, share God's word, share his truth with those or yourself, and the word will defend itself. The word will work. You just have to share it and sit back and watch. It's wonderful. And that's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Share the truth. Follow my example. Sit back and watch because there's someone coming who will explain it all, who works through the word. He says that in verse 13. We'll look at it again. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit works through the word and he explains what the word is all about. He says in verse 13, he, the spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. When the Spirit 
works through the Word, what the Spirit is teaching you about the Word, is that the whole story, God's Word, from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end, is about one person. It's all about Jesus. That's why the Spirit will glorify Jesus, because He will point everyone who hears that Word to Jesus, and that this is the whole story. Jesus came to save sinners. And we just have to share it, open it up. Now I'm going to return to that pastor who confronted that man with the truth, right? So the man actually called the pastor back a couple weeks later and said, well, let's talk. The pastor said, okay, they met in his study and the man said to him, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what you've told me and I've realized how bad and terrible I am and what I've done. And I don't believe that I can be forgiven for all the things that I've done. And the pastor just kind of looks at him and and just says, well, if Jesus isn't big enough to forgive your sins, then he's not big enough to forgive mine. But thankfully he is. So the pastor took him back into his study and they went through the gospel. And he shared with him Jesus' love and how that Jesus' blood and death on the cross and resurrection covers over all sins, no matter how big you think they are. And that to, that to this day, this man is still a Christian. So that story I wanted to share with you is just to show how the Word works. It might not be instantaneous, but the Holy Spirit works through His Word. And I wasn't... When in preparation, I, I just wasn't thinking about the Ephesians passage. I forgot that last phrase until first service when we were going through it. There's, it's all over the Bible that the, the, the writers who wrote the books talk and God himself talk about how the Word of God is active. In Ephesians, we just heard, it's a sword. Swords are pretty useful for a lot of different things. In the book of Hebrews, it's called a living and active, it's, the God's word is living and active, excuse me, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So not only is it a sword that is useful for going out, it, it's sharper than anything. It can pierce hearts of stone that are hardened in their unbelief and make them alive in Christ. And this isn't just this New Testament teaching that happened after Jesus. It's found even in the Old Testament as well. There's a prophet called Isaiah. He lived about 700 years before Jesus. And in one of his prophecies, Isaiah 55, he says this about the Word of God. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my Word that goes out from my mouth. It does not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. God's purpose was to create a connection with His people. God's purpose was to heal and mend and make new the connection that He had but was severed by sin. And that's what He does. He cares so much for you and that relationship with Him that He completely took the creation of that relationship out of your hands. He cares so much about that relationship, He creates it for you. And it all happens when you're in the Word. And that's what we mean 
We're studying the Apostles' Creed. That's what we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. It's because it's through the Holy Spirit working in God's Word, in the hearts of those who hear it, that He calls gathers and enlightens the Christian church here on earth, all of us here listening to God's word. And he preserves them in that faith. And I want to echo here one closing thought. I want to echo the same sentiments that Jesus echoed to his disciples. To you. Jesus was about to leave his disciples. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. But I'm in a similar situation of the fact that I'm about to leave and you're about to go on your own way. I'm going to go back up to school and, God willing, to another congregation where I can serve God's people. And while we have created many, many enjoyable memories that will always be with me and hopefully with you, and I know that you mean the world to me more than you can know, and that I may mean something to you, what I pray and I hope that you remember me most for was that I was just your brother in the faith who stood up in front of you and got to share the word with you. And I'll remember you as my family who shared the word back with me. And as we go our separate ways, my encouragement and my prayer for all of you is to, whenever you face that question of how do I believe, is this real, is to stay in the word. And if you don't think it's going to work, just keep going back to that word. Because it's there you find a living and active spirit that guards and preserves you and keeps you in Christ's loving embrace. Amen.